Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm your host, Jennifer Yerimeyeva, and today I'm with Alexandra Popov for a discussion of her excellent biography, Vasily Grossman and the Soviet Century. Grossman is in, currently enjoying great popularity in the West, and this book is not only timely, but a fascinating look at this very important Soviet writer and indeed the turbulent century he lived in. I'm delighted that the book has brought us together for this discussion today. Alexandra, welcome. Uh, thank you. Alexandra, let's get started um, with a discussion of your own uh, background. You began your academic and literary career in Moscow, but in 1999, 1991, sorry, you emigrated to Canada and continued your education and your career in that country. Can you expand a little on your background and, and how you came to writing in the first place? I was born in Moscow uh, in a family of a writer. Um, my father's uh, birth name was Friedman. He wrote under the name Grigory Baklanov. Um, he was actually a writer who knew Grossman, so I will uh, talk about that a little later. Um, uh, I graduated from uh, the Literary Institute in Moscow and uh, um, I began my career as a journalist, uh, writing for um, uh, national newspapers and magazines in Moscow. Uh, in 1991, I won a fellowship. Um, um, uh, it was a journalistic fellowship, Alfred Friendly Press Fellowship. And I uh, uh, went to the United States and uh, uh, worked in the Philadelphia Inquiry newspaper for half a year uh, as a fellow. And uh, the following year, 1992, I immigrated um, uh, to Canada uh, and I married a Canadian journalist, and ever since I live in Canada. Um, Fantastic. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I uh, graduated from the University of Toronto and the University of Saskatchewan. I have two master's degrees, um, two degrees in literature, two graduate degrees. Um, and um, uh, while uh, teaching at the University of Saskatchewan, I uh, taught uh, literature and history classes, I began to do my own research, and uh, uh, that's how I uh, started uh, writing books. And I think that many of your previous books are going to be very well known to the listeners of our Russian Eurasia channel, as well as our literature channel. You wrote the masterful book, The Wives, The Women Behind Russia's Literary Giants. And then you took a look at Tolstoy um, in two different books, uh, Tolstoy's False Disciple, The Untold Story of Leo Tolstoy and Vladimir Chertkov, as well as a biography on Countess Sofia Tolstaya. 
but with Vasily Grossman and the Soviet century, you make a shift both into the 20th century and you take a look at a, a sort of in an in-depth way at a male writer. Uh, you've mentioned that your father knew and worked with Grossman, but can you elaborate how you came to him as your topic for this, um, your latest book? Yes, I um, sensed, um, I had a sense of um, personal connections uh, to Grossman's themes. Um, um, my, um, uh, 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 as I mentioned, my uh, father had known Grossman. Uh, 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 he participated uh, in the war, and after the war, uh, my father started. Um, uh, writing, and he brought his first, very first prose uh, to uh, Vasily Grossman, um, uh, having met him uh, shortly after the war, I believe either in 1946 or 47. Uh, later, uh, my father studied uh, in Grossman's creative writing seminar, and many, many decades um, later, um, upon becoming a uh, an editor-in-chief of Znamen Literary Magazine, my father published um, uh, uh, Grossman's prose, uh, his uh, uh, Armenian uh, sketches. Uh, it's a beautifully, uh, beautiful uh, lyrical uh, memoir, uh, short prose, uh, uh, and uh, issued Grossman's wartime notebooks in 1989 as a separate edition. Uh, so um, that is uh, uh, my father's story. My parents also lived in the same house as Grossman, where Grossman had a studio, um, a literary studio for a while. And in, uh, in, in this house was among the addresses where in 1961, uh, uh, the uh, KGB came to... Um, um, confiscate um, um, manuscripts and, uh, sorry, uh, various typescripts and drafts of life and faith. So oh, I wow. knew this story from, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, for many years, my father would talk about the confiscation of this manuscript as uh, the greatest tragedy that can befall a writer. I think that's absolutely. Was this the flat at Aeroport Metro Station? Uh, no, it was oh. uh, Lomonosovsky uh, uh. Um, um, Lomonosovsky Avenue, uh, 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 where Grossman had a studio uh, and where he lived in the late nineteen fifties. I see. We've we've sort of started at the end of Grossman's life, and I wonder if you would take us back to the beginning. Uh, it seems that your book takes a look not only at Grossman's life, but this very turbulent century he lived in, because his life does almost span um, three quarters of, of the century. Would you spend a little time telling us about who he was and what his uh, professional arc was, so to speak? Grossman was born in 1905. Uh, and uh, to understand this writer, it is important to know that uh, he... Uh, only his childhood falls into uh, the time of peace. Um, Grossman uh, 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 was uh, uh, nine years old when 
uh, World uh, War One began, and at the time he lived in Kiev. Uh, he was born in the town of Berdichev, uh, which is uh, located southwest of Kiev. Um, uh, the town is known for uh, was known for its predominantly Jewish population. Uh, so. Grossman witnessed, I mean, uh, lived through uh, World War One, the Second World War. Uh, uh, he witnessed two revolutions, uh, two Russian revolutions of 1917, the February Revolution, which uh, uh, introduced first freedoms uh, to Russia, making Russia um, one of the most freest countries in the world. Uh, that was a popular February Revolution. Uh, which uh, um, gave Russia its universal suffrage, uh, introduced um, racial and social equality. But then uh, uh, the October Revolution uh, quickly uh, turned Russia into a very different place. So the mm -hmm. two revolutions and the October uh, 1917 revolution was followed by civil war and a apocalyptic event in which uh, anywhere from 7 to uh, 14 million people uh, perished uh, from uh, in fighting, uh, famine, and epidemics. So he lived through these events and then uh, the Second World War. Um, uh, Grossman uh, studied in Kiev uh, as a boy. Uh, he attended um, uh, 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 he went to school in Kiev. Uh, then later, uh, he returned to Kiev after a civil war in 1921 and studied for a while um, at um, uh, a university uh, there in Kiev. Then um, transferred um, uh, to Moscow to study um, at the Moscow University. Uh, uh, he studied... Um, uh, chemistry and physics. Uh, he was interested in science. Uh, like his father, who was a chemical engineer, uh, Grossman uh, became a chemical engineer. And um, in the beginning, in the beginning of his career, uh, he worked um, uh, as a chemical engineer and inspector in the mines in Ukraine, in the Donbass. Uh, so that uh, gave him a lot of uh, uh, material and also allowed him uh, to see um, Ukraine in the early 1930s. At the time, uh, he witnessed um, uh, the beginning of, uh, uh, of a famine of a terrible famine. He was in Kiev in 1932 and in 1933, uh, traveling through Kiev, uh, walking through Kiev, and that was a time when uh, the dead were uh, uh, lying in the streets. Uh, uh, so um, that uh, gave him some of the material for uh, his last novel, Everything Flows, where he describes the famine. Um, so, um, in the beginning of the war, uh, Grossman um, uh, became a war correspondent in uh, August uh, 1941. 
uh, he started writing for um, um, uh, the Red uh, Star uh, uh, new newspaper, along with uh, many, many other uh, uh, journalists and writers. So uh, he was both a writer and a journalist. Uh, his uh, first novel was about miners uh, called Blue Kauf. Um, uh, his second major novel, uh, it was a historical novel. Again, uh, it was set in the Donbass. It dealt with uh, uh, coal miners. Uh, it was called Stepan Kalchugin. It was a highly popular novel that uh, was published um, uh, in two volumes. The so second volume came out right before the war. And, and enjoyed immense popularity at the yes, time, it did. particularly yes. among people who were doing jobs such as miners. Yes, as and uh, they, they even recognized Grossman uh, <laughs> from a portrait published uh, published in uh, uh, in Stepan Kalchugin. And the miners whom he met at the front um, uh, called him uh, simply Kalchugin. Kalchugin. Yes, addressed him as Kalchugin. And then this was when he was in the war as a correspondent. So he's yes. he's both a novelist and a journalist. Yes, that's right. How common was that in in the early Soviet era? Well, uh, we know that um, uh, Ilya Irinburg, for example, was both uh, a journalist and a novelist, and uh, both Irinburg and Grossman were widely read uh, at the front. Their articles about the war uh, were widely read at the front. But if uh, Irinburg's uh, articles called for revenge, uh, Grossman's articles always, in his articles, he always um, tried to inspire compassion, compassion mm. for the victims, and his articles uh, took a broader view. Uh, both as, uh, you know, uh, Edinburgh and Grossman produced novels, so they were both novelists and journalists. And Grossman followed in uh, the tradition of uh, uh, Leo Tolstoy, uh, who was uh, Russia's first war correspondent, uh, mm. filing his uh, articles of, uh, about uh, the Crimean War, um, uh, and uh, later these articles um, were issued, um, uh, were published as uh, uh, becoming known Sebastopol sketches. Uh, and uh, Tolstoy's articles informed Russia, Russians about uh, the Crimean War um, of the uh, um, mid-19th century. And they were widely read by the Russian society, even the Tsar. Throughout your book, it's clear that uh, Vasily Grossman feels an intense uh, link to Leo Tolstoy, and not just because they're both writers and novelists and journalists, can, and, and this seems to be uh, something that comes to him early in his career and stays with him throughout his life. Could you expand on that a little bit um, and how he, he regarded Tolstoy as a, I don't even know, a role model or a, um, what would you say? Um, uh, I remember um, uh, um, uh, Grossman's letter uh, he wrote uh, as a very young man uh, uh, Grossman was in his uh, early twenties when uh, 
uh, he reread Tolstoy's novella, uh, The Death of Ivan Ilyich, and uh, he wrote to his father in a letter that uh, the novella deeply impressed him. Uh, this novella uh, discusses, uh, 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 tells about a man dying of cancer. And Grossman writes to his father that uh, the questions of life and death are the most important. Uh, what this novella allowed Grossman to understand, uh, uh, it allowed him to relieve his experiences of civil war and um, to make sense of a single human life. Uh, because what he saw and what anybody saw during civil war uh, and felt uh, was that a single human life no longer uh, had value because there would be hundreds and thousands dying. There was fighting ongoing uh, in uh, Ukraine, especially. Uh, Berdichev taken and retaken by, uh, uh, say, first the whites, then uh, the reds, then uh, peasant armies, uh, people being killed. Uh, and here, um, the focus was uh, one human life. And um, as we know, uh, Grossman's uh, short story in the town of Berdichev, uh, this was uh, the story um, that made him famous overnight, uh, published in uh, the 19, early 1930s. Um, so this story... Uh, came as a surprise uh, at the time. It was uh, uh, completely different from the prose that was published about civil war, uh, because the focus was not uh, the war. Uh, the focus was not on the red army or the white army or ideology or anything. The focus was on the woman, uh, the woman commissar uh, who stays in Berdichev to give birth. And so uh, the experiences of this uh, woman commissar uh, turning from uh, a fighter, revolutionary fighter, into a mother, uh, her experiences, it was completely unlike uh, anything published uh, during Civil War. So that is where you may, uh, one may say that Grossman also experienced uh, the influence of Isaac Babel uh, in the story. But the idea of a, you know, the focus uh, on the individual, that came from a 19th century literature. And Grossman was deeply influenced with uh, uh, Tolstoy's and uh, Chekhov's uh, literature uh, and their humanistic tradition, their, um, uh, the, uh, the 19th century realist um, uh, um, school. Um, then um, uh, Sebastopol, uh, in Sebastopol in May, uh, in uh, uh, Tolstoy's Sebastopol stories, uh, um, uh, there are famous words um, of Tolstoy. The hero of my tale, uh, I'm not uh, quoting the, the whole passage, but uh, the hero of my tale is truth. Um, 
the hero of my tale, whom I love with all the power of my soul, whom I have uh, tried to portray in all its beauty, who uh, has been and will be beautiful, is truth. So uh, this um, truthful depiction um, of a war from the battlefield, that was uh, what influenced Grossman most. Um, and that uh, came from um, Tolstoy's Sebastopol uh, tale, um, sketches and from uh, War and Peace. Uh, Tolstoy's prose about the war, the war uh, later uh, in War and Peace of 1812, uh, has influenced uh, most writers of the 20th century uh, who uh, wrote about the war. Uh, and it influenced Tolstoy in a sense that uh, Tolstoy made these accurate, uh, truthful portrayals uh, of a war from a battlefield through the eyes of um, ordinary participants. So that's where um, um, Tolstoy's influence um, uh, is most sensed. And of course, in Life and Fate, uh, uh, Tolstoy was, uh, sorry, <laughs> Grossman was consciously uh, following Tolstoy. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Can you, um, because uh, the two novels that he writes after his experiences in, in World War II is just part of his um, sort of, the part of his, I don't know if you want to say canon, but um, you've got two novels, Stalingrad, as they're calling it now, um, in yes. the West and Life and Fate. And Stalingrad is pretty new to Western uh, readers because for it hasn't been translated until quite recently. Can you tell us a little bit about those two novels? Um, they're almost like a diptych. One is um, published and um, widely distributed in Russia and one is not. Uh, and yet then the one that's not published in Russia is published in the West. And so it has this Alice through the looking glass aspect of it when I think about it. But talk us through those two great novels of World War II, which many have called the war and peace of, of World War II. Um, what happens in them and this, this idea of truth, which is woven in throughout both novels so, so beautifully by Grossman. Yes, uh, Grossman uh, began to make um, um, uh, first notes uh, for... Um, uh, this large epical work, uh, Life and Faith, then later divided into uh, two books, uh, still during the war. Uh, he used his wartime notebooks um, uh, as, uh, uh, for actual material um, um, about the war. Uh, so uh, shortly after the war, um, uh, he uh, began to work full-time on the novel um, uh, that uh, came out under the title For a Just Cause uh, and is now translated and known as uh, Stalingrad uh, in the West. Um, Stalingrad and Life and Fate are two completely different works. Uh, Stalingrad was written uh, when Stalin was still alive. Uh, and it was impossible and would be unthinkable uh, to uh, not 
to reflect in the novel uh, Stalin's role as a leader uh, during Stalin's life, of course, uh, or uh, the role of a party, of a communist party as the avant-garde. And that was not something Grossman believed in. Um, uh, For Grossman, uh, the Second World War and uh, uh, the war in the Soviet Union again, um, uh, against uh, uh, the Nazis was the war for liberation uh, that was led by the people. And uh, this is another connection uh, to Tolstoy, um, uh, who um, depicted the war against Napoleon as people's war. Uh, Grossman's very first novel about the war uh, was called The People Immortal. It was written during the war and was published uh, in uh, the Red Star newspaper. If you can imagine, the newspaper published the whole novel in successive issues. Uh, So uh, it was the war in Grossman's mind uh, it was the war for liberation. It was the war led by the people. But after the war, um, uh, when uh, uh, um, Grossman uh, was producing um, uh, the, uh, the novel Stalingrad, uh, uh, he continue, uh, continually battled with censors for um, some actual depiction of the war, uh, which became, and this became impossible. After the war, Stalin prohibited any discussion of uh, Soviet losses, uh, immense losses, uh, um, or um, uh, any discussion of uh, Soviet retreat uh, in 1941. So Grossman battled for um, truthful, presentation of a war from the battlefield. He succeeded um, depicting um, uh, in his depiction of uh, the war, he could preserve uh, some some of his uh, uh, chapters and scenes. Uh, But uh, there is a lot of uh, material in this novel uh, that has, uh, you know, like, purely Soviet uh, present, uh, presentation of events, uh, the party uh, 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 and uh, Stalin's role. Um, uh, when the novel came out, uh, the first edition uh, was published in 1952, uh, and Boris Pasternak uh, read the novel uh, Pasternak was uh, um, then uh, wrote a letter to uh, Ariadne Efron, um, the daughter of uh, uh, Marina Tsvetaeva's daughter, and in this uh, letter he said uh, that uh, there are only some sixty pages in the entire book of six hundred pages that are genuine, uh, and he went on to say that uh, the novel gave him as much pain as his new dentures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
but that was a heavily edited version. Then in uh, successive editions, in um, uh, 1954 edition, published already after uh, Stalin's death, uh, Grossman was able to restore more of his original text. Uh, he was able to restore even more of his uh, uh, text in uh, the edition published in 1964. So, um, it wasn't as bad as the 1952 edition, but I have to say that um, uh, there are many uh, scenes that strike you as false. And I'll give one example uh, of a different treatment in um, of certain episodes in uh, Stalingrad and in Life and Fate. Um, uh, for example, um, uh, Stalin's order not a step back from uh, captured territory. Um, uh, this was an order given in July, uh, July 28, 1942, uh, the beginning of uh, defense of Stalingrad. And this was an immensely cruel order. So in, um, uh, in the novel Stalingrad, uh, Grossman's protagonist, Krimov, uh, reads this order with awe and thinks of Stalin's wisdom. Uh, and that was not what uh, Grossman knew and believed in. Uh, and in Life and Fate, which he wrote without an eye uh, for publication, uh, this same order is discussed in a different way. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Daryansky, uh, Grossman's protagonist, says, uh, while discussing this order, uh, there was one place where the Germans were mowing our men down by the hundred. Uh, all we needed to do was withdraw over the brow of a hill. Uh, strategically, it would make no difference and we would uh, have saved um, uh, men and equipment, but the orders were not a step back. And so the men perished and the equipment was destroyed. So that's how in uh, uh, different levels uh, uh, one uh, episode is discussed in two novels. But the general idea is also different. In, uh, say, in Stalingrad, um, there are two opposing ideologies that clash during the war. It's the Soviet ideology, Soviet humanism versus um, uh, Nazi ideology. And in Life and Fate, uh, we see two totalitarian states and um, uh, their inhumane uh, ideology uh, compared and likened. Right. And this does stem, doesn't it, from Grossman's work as a journalist. He was part of a group that first went into the concentration camps in uh, Ukraine and Poland. And these are incredibly moving parts of his work. And I think you weave them into your book with great mastery. And from those just horrific um, journeys into the hell of Treblinka, uh, Grossman manages to focus on the individual all of the time. Um, I loved the passage you quoted where uh, in his, from his notebooks, uh, he sees a wall at a concentration camp and he wonders, you know, who built this wall? And later 
he sort of observes and, and confirms that millions of deaths cannot diminish the value of a single life. But I think this was probably very difficult for the censors to digest. Um, it, and this is probably the reason why Life and Fate was never going to be an easy publication. Um, and of course, it, it wasn't. Can you speak a little bit about those those aspects of the individual that that Grossman is constantly focusing on throughout the war and, and after? Yes, um, you mentioned uh, who built this wall. Uh, this um, sentence uh, uh, comes from Grossman's wartime notebooks. Um, and um, uh, he re he's referring here to the Warsaw Ghetto. Um, the Warsaw Ghetto was sealed uh, in 1940, and um, there were uh, 350,000 people at one time of, uh, living in it. Uh, a quarter of a million were um, transported uh, to Treblinka's extermination camp. Um, now, um, Grossman uh, was in Warsaw in, um, after its liberation in winter 1945, and um, he um, uh, saw um, uh, the wall, uh, a three-meter wall uh, topped with uh, barbed wire uh, that separated um, uh, the ghetto from the rest of the city, and he wondered who built this wall. He realized that uh, Jews were uh, forced uh, uh, to, to, to build it. Uh, he spoke with survivors of um, the Warsaw Uprising. Everywhere where he would go, uh, to Majdanek, to Treblinka, uh, he uh, did speak with survivors. He's, um, so uh, what survivors, a uh, uh, few survivors told him, um, um, uh, they told him, they spoke about the, uh, the life of ordinary people, ordinary life in the ghetto, that uh, children continue to uh, study, even uh, continue to study music while uh, realizing that um, um, living with, uh, you know, this threat uh, that uh, uh, people disappearing, people being killed. And Grossman was deeply impressed uh, with uh, human courage. And after the war, uh, he spoke with uh, um, his close friend, Geda Suritz. Um, and uh, I read um, uh, Geda Suritz's um, uh, marginally published memoir, uh, and what he was saying, um, um, he, he uh, yeah, and he even brought um, a graduation diploma from one of the uh, uh, ghettos, a uh, music graduation diploma uh, a child received. Um, and so um, uh, Suritz remembered how he spoke about that, um, uh, that he spoke uh, slowly moved by human courage and inviting his listeners to grasp the true meaning of his words, to appreciate the genuine uh, heroism of people uh, who remained human in inhuman conditions. 
So it always, these personal stories that um, moved Grossman. And he had this uh, rare ability uh, to depict um, uh, uh, the deaths of millions in a personal way, which he does uh, with um, uh, um, very movingly in... uh, um, uh, uh, his article, uh, Ukraine Without Jews, because uh, here he speaks about the death of millions. Only on the Soviet-occupied territories, uh, 2.5 million Jews were exterminated. Uh, when a Grossman following the army um, um, uh, uh, was uh, uh, going through Ukraine's uh, towns and villages, uh, he writes in... Um, in this article, Ukraine Without Jews, he only met two Jewish survivors. There were no Jews in in Ukraine, no Jews left in Ukraine. And yet he wanted his reader to feel uh, for for the people who uh, were no more. Uh, So, um, you know, uh, he knew that... uh, his writing has to go beyond statistics. And uh, he remembered uh, Jews in uh, Berdichev uh, with their professions. Uh, so in this article, he mentions, uh, you know, he gives these personal characteristics of uh, uh, Jewish tradesmen, of uh, Jewish uh, um uh, mothers, uh, grandmothers of the children. Uh, so he makes it uh, so individual. And there is uh, simply, he lists all of these professions and ages and um, disabled people and old people. And we begin to feel, we begin to see it. Uh, by the way, Grossman's mother was disabled. Uh, that's why she was trapped in Berdichev and she couldn't escape. Um, but after the war, um, I would like also to mention, uh, immediately after the war, uh, during the first anniversary of V-Day, 1946, um, after the bloodiest war in history where many millions uh, have perished, um, he writes uh, an article to the memory of the fallen. And in this article, um, uh, he asserts the basic uh, and sacred human rights, the rights of each indi- the right of each individual uh, to live on earth, to think and to be free. So his focus was always on an individual. And, and these were the ideas of the revolution of 1917, the, as you mentioned at the beginning of the of our discussion, the February Revolution rather than the October Revolution. Yes. Um, yes. And I and I think uh, throughout your book, uh, we have a sense of him clinging onto these um, these values and truths. And the other thing that emerged for me was that Grossman was was an assimilated Jew. He wasn't an Orthodox or a very um, religious practicing Jew, but he was very familiar, it seems to me, with biblical uh, literature, uh, and he didn't shy from using it in his um, prose, and I think it greatly enhances um, 
the effectiveness of his of his work. How familiar was he, and and where did he where did he acquire that knowledge? Well, uh, Grossman read the Bible as a child, of course. Uh, uh, he was born before the revolution, so uh, uh, this is not uh, uh, surprising that uh, he would read the Bible. Um, uh, his uh, biblical references become apparent um, uh, first in uh, um, in his uh, wartime notebooks. Um, uh, Grossman was witnessing unprecedented retreat of 1941. Uh, the German advance uh, was uncontainable uh, in the summer, in the tragic summer of 1941. Uh, uh, whole territories uh, of Belarus and Ukraine were quickly captured. And so uh, the army was, Soviet army was fleeing and uh, the civilians were fleeing. And Grossman uh, refers to this as an exodus. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a see, I thought I have seen retreat, but I have seen nothing like it. It's uh, uh, the slow moving ocean. I am not uh, quoting exactly, but, uh, and then he refers to it as uh, exodus. Um, uh, the biblical beards uh, of uh, old Jews. He, he can see uh, Jewish population. He can see um, uh, Ukrainians and uh, uh, Russians and uh, uh, all moving uh, along with the army, um, um, uh, fleeing uh, uh, from German advance. Then uh, later in uh, um, uh, uh, in a story uh, called um, The Old Teacher. Uh, yes, uh, of course, you know, uh, uh, the notebooks were not published. He was, uh, at the time, he was writing, um, uh, making these notes for himself. But then uh, the story that got published with biblical uh, evocations was uh, uh, the story of The Old Teacher. This was the story... Um, he wrote 1942, um, uh, one of the first ever um, fictional rep uh, representations of a Holocaust. Uh, he describes um, a town in Ukraine, um, very much like uh, Berdichev, but not Berdichev, um, where um, uh, Jews are being... Um, um, driven into uh, uh, ghetto and um, and an old teacher thinks of the good and the evil and that's where um, um, uh, references um, uh, to uh, the book of Job and Exodus um, are apparent um, in, um, in the story. And uh, another uh, a clear reference to the Bible in the article The Hell of Treblinka. Grossman's uh, biblical evocations in this article meant uh, to elevate the doomed about their suffering and death. 
Uh, he writes, uh, the beasts and the beast philosophy seem to portend the sunset of Europe, the sunset of the world. But the red was the red of a sunset. Uh, well, sorry, but the red was not the red of a sunset. It was mm. the red blood of humanity, a humanity that was dying, yet achieving victory through its death. It's very powerful. And these were, the, the Hell of Treblinka was one of the first accounts people read about the concentration camps, not just in the Soviet Union, but also in the Allied countries as well. Is that right? Yes, it was uh, published in 1944 in um, Znamya, a literary journal. Uh, it was not easy for a Grossman to publish this article, uh, as with practically all of his major work, uh, he um, had to prevail over editors and censors. Um, um, but yes, the article was translated, um, um, a brief trans, uh, like uh, abbreviated translation of this article appeared uh, in 1946 in the black book produced by the Americans. Um, uh, and um, um, uh, published, and um, uh, 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 this article was uh, uh, became available uh, during uh, the Nuremberg trials. Um, so it became quite uh, it it became very uh, uh, part of the evidence against uh, the Nazis. Um, so it was uh, widely read and known. And yet, um, I've, another moment in your book is that Grossman is invited to attend the Nuremberg trials as he is the capitulation in Berlin, and he refuses, having been through the hell of Stalingrad, the hell of the, the camps. I wonder, I wonder why you think he declined to attend those two historical events. I believe that, um, well, because um, um, Grossman even uh, uh, refused to um, attend uh, the signing of uh, a capitulation of uh, Germany where he was invited among um, the journalists. Uh, I think he did not attend uh, the Nuremberg trials uh, where, say, uh, Ilya Renburg made a brief appearance uh, because of uh, what he experienced personally uh, with uh, 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 the death uh, uh, of his mother, who uh, was ex uh, who was killed among twelve thousand Jews in uh, the Ber in in Berdichev, but also because um, Grossman may have thought that um, he hardly would hear anything new uh, during yes. the Nuremberg trials. He was present during the interrogation. Of, uh, of the Nazis uh, during the war, of the Nazi criminals, of some of the uh, uh, criminals who actually exterminated uh, uh, civilian population and uh, Jews. And he knew about the, uh, he knew all about their ideology by then. Uh, and, um, and it was extremely uh, difficult for him on a personal level, painful to sit uh, through uh, even one of the uh, sessions and uh, look at, uh, at the Nazis. I'm sure, I'm sure that it was. The, the issue with his mother 
makes its way into Life and Fate in one of the more moving, I mean, there's so many moving passages in Life and Fate, but the letter uh, that he imagines Victor Sturm's mother writing to him. Can you talk a little bit about why Grossman included that in the novel the way it did? It it seemed to me almost like it was sort of like a, a therapy. I mean, that's a very 21st century way of looking at it, but was he trying to sort of assuage her ghost or or what what are your feelings about that? Life and Fate is dedicated to Grossman's mother. Um, so um, uh, um, uh, uh, Grossman uh, wanted um, to bring her alive in, in, in this novel. Uh, he never stopped thinking about um, her death. Um, we know that Grossman uh, wrote two letters to his mother beyond the grave. Uh, one letter um, in 1950 on the 9th anniversary of the, um, the Redigif massacre and the second letter in 1961 um, uh, on the 20th anniversary uh, of a massacre. And uh, these, letter, uh, these letters were written on a single page, um, and uh, Grossman's family did not know about uh, these, uh, that these letters existed. Uh, it was only after uh, uh, Grossman's second wife, Olga Guber, died that uh, the daughter-in-law, Irina Novikova, um, was going through uh, some papers uh, in Grossman's desk, and she found uh, this letter in the envelope along with a photograph um, of um, uh, made by a Nazi, um, uh, where um, uh, you can see uh, the photograph taken of a mass uh, execution of uh, Jewish women and girls. So uh, Grossman vowed never to forget. And um, the photograph perhaps, as I think, may have been the last link uh, uh, to uh, his mother. Um, So in uh, a letter in 1950, uh, Grossman wrote, I have tried dozens, perhaps hundreds of times to imagine how you died, how you walked to your death. I have tried to imagine the man who killed you. He was the last person to see you. And then there are such lines. um, To me, you are as alive as when we saw each other for the last time. As alive as when I was a little boy and you used to read aloud to me. And my pain is still the same as when one of an uh, one of your neighbors on Uchilishne Street told me that you were gone and there was no hope of finding you among the living. Um, Grossman was in Berdichev um, in 1944, following the liberation um, of a, uh, of uh, the city, and um, he. Um, um, aside from trying to learn how his mother uh, had died, uh, he collected material. Um, uh, he um, um, interviewed several 
survivors and he interviewed witnesses. Uh, for the article he wrote later um, um, about uh, Berdichev's uh, about the massacre in Berdichi. This article was included in the black book of Russian Jewry, which he was producing uh, collaboratively with Rinborg. Uh, they both were editing accounts and uh, publishing their original, uh, attempting to publish their original articles in this book. This book was banned in 19... 48 and all uh, printed copies and printed copies were destroyed even uh, uh, um, the plates broken up so that uh, the book uh, wouldn't be restored but the book was published as we know uh, later on because uh, they managed to send uh, some copies abroad and um, uh, uh, the Russian language uh, copies uh, were sent abroad. Uh, but back uh, to um, uh, Grossman's mother, um, Grossman felt extremely um, uh, guilty um, uh, uh, that uh, he was unable to save his mother. Grossman invited his mother um, uh, uh, to come and visit him uh, before uh, the war, uh, to come to Moscow. But uh, his um, wife, Olga, uh, Olga Guber, was against it. And um, uh, Grossman's mother um, uh, used to visit uh, the family and stay at their uh, country house uh, in July. But Grossman wanted her uh, to come ahead of uh, her uh, usual visit. And so uh, the words that uh, later uh, made it in uh, Life and Fate, uh, Strum uh, tells his wife, Ludmila, uh, Shroom is partly based on Grossman, uh, uh, Shroom's character partly based on Grossman, and Ludmila is based on Grossman's wife, Olga. Uh, I talked to the family, and they uh, say that she is 100% practically recognizable. <laughs> so uh, Shroom tells Ludmila that if you uh, were on, a bad, on, a, uh, on better terms with my mother, uh, she would have visited us, uh, uh, she would have come to Moscow and she would have lived. Uh, so um, Grossman lived with that sense that uh, he failed to prevail over uh, uh, his wife's reluctance uh, uh, to accommodate his mother and that his mother could have, um, uh, uh, could have lived. Oh, that's quite a story. Um, we ha only have a few more minutes, but I would like to talk to you a bit about um, the the fate of life and fate. Um, he writes the book uh, and is unable to get it published. Um, and again, they take, uh, legend has it, they took down to the typewriter ribbons away from him so that mm -hmm. he couldn't recreate it. Um, it was only published after his uh, death. Throughout your book, you, you make mention of, of a, a Soviet writer's understanding that there are two kinds of writing. One is to be published and the other is, quote unquote, for the desk drawer or without permission. I think it's clear that Grossman's 
wartime experiences and his uh, tragedy with his mother and his passion for the truth are all that he pours into life and fate. So it seems that it was uh, a book for the desk drawer. But why did he make no attempt to smuggle the book out as Pasternak had done with Dr. Zhivago? Um, uh, that is quite clear to me uh, because of um, uh, what he witnessed uh, during uh, the campaign against Dr. Zhivago in the Soviet Union. Uh, Dr. Zhivago was uh, discredited uh, by uh, the Soviet authorities and uh, no one was allowed to read the book. Uh, there were public meetings uh, to denounce the book, uh, which nobody read. Uh, and uh, Grossman wrote this book. Uh, he wrote Life and Fate for eight years. Uh, he invested all his understanding of uh, the Stalinist totalitarian state. Uh, he wanted uh, Stalinist crimes never to be repeated. Uh, there was never uh, a Nuremberg trial for Stalinists. Uh, oh. And when uh, Khrushchev started a campaign of de-Stalinization, this campaign was extremely careful. Uh, they referred only to some Stalin's mistakes, uh, to the cult of personality, never uh, to the millions uh, of uh, deaths, never to mass purges, uh, never to mass arrests. Uh, Grossman wanted to tell the truth, whole truth. And uh, there are words in life and faith, but uh, you can't live with no truth, with partial truth, but partial truth is no truth at all. And there, when he writes that, he is referring to his previous novel, Stalingrad, where he was only able to tell partial truths. Partial truth, and yeah. uh, Grossman wrote this novel, Life and Faith, for the Soviet reader. He wanted uh, to push for greater change uh, uh, he was a man on a mission. Uh, he always lived for the causes, and he was less thinking about himself. And another thing is that after spending eight years with a novel and 20 years overall, uh, if we take uh, Stalingrad on this uh, uh, whole cycle, um, he lost uh, sight of uh, how explosive his book was. So he believed that uh, he would be able uh, to publish, uh, at least try to publish. Uh, his friends were, uh, he, he read this novel to his friends. His friends were saying that it was completely uh, uh, out of the question that the book cannot uh, come out uh, because of a uh, clear comparison between uh, Nazism and communism. Mm -hmm. Even today, uh, this comparison is prohibited, officially uh, banned in, in Russia. Uh, so that's how he was uh, far ahead of his day. Mm -hmm. And how do you think he's being regarded now within Russia? Um, you know, Grossman has no official standing in, in Russia as a writer. I uh, interviewed many people, and I expected to hear that um, uh, Grossman influenced uh, certain writers. No, I would never hear that. Um, uh, Lev Dodin, who... Um, uh, 
in St. Petersburg, Molly Fierre staged a play uh, based on life and fate, uh, said that um, uh, this play helps popularize Grossman's novel in Russia, but this is a drop in the sea, uh, that mm. in Russia Grossman remains uh, 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 completely unpopular. And um, even uh, when you enter bookstores um, in uh, say in major cities, uh, Moscow and Petersburg, uh, Grossman's novel can be found, but yeah, it's really? it's never in the shop windows. Uh, he's never promoted, uh, uh, so uh, he does remain uh, unpopular in Russia. He's popular in the West, but uh, and increasingly yeah. so, uh, following the the excellent translation uh, Robert and Elizabeth Chandler did of Stalingrad. Yes. Um, and your book, uh, which I think really helps uh, particularly Western readers get their minds around the sort of staggering work of this very important Soviet writer. Um, is there a possibility that your book will be translated into Russian and distributed there? I'm not quite sure because none of my books were translated in 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 uh, into Russian and were not published in Russia. Um, you see, I um, uh, I work in the archives. Uh, I um, uh, uh, tell stories that are uh, cannot be popular today uh, in uh, Putin's Russia, and uh, the idea of uh, a comparison between Stalinist state and the Nazi uh, totalitarian state is uh, uh, one of the major themes in my book. And as I said, this uh, uh, comparison is uh, still prohibited in Russia. So I, I don't think it will be translated into Russian, but will be translated into other languages. I know it will be translated into Spanish. Um, uh, already know that. And Grossman was very popular there, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. All oh, right. And, um, well, I think it's a shame. I think it should be uh, translated into Russian. And I think all Russians should read it um, because it's a marvelous look, not only at the writer, but at the century um, and a century that I think we're still unpicking and unpacking um, in terms of what happened uh, and the astonishing death toll. So I think you've given us much to chew on. Uh, and it's a marvelous book. I do recommend everyone get a copy of Vasily Grossman and the Soviet Century by Alexandra Popov. Alexandra, before we go, could you just tell our listeners what you're working on at the moment? Um, uh, I will be working on um, uh, a new biography for Yale University Press, uh, Jewish Live series. Uh, an editor uh, phoned me and uh, uh, proposed uh, a new project, but the contract is not signed yet, and so I will not uh, say uh, who the book will be about. But I, okay. I will be happy to work with uh, uh, Yale University Press, particularly with uh, Jewish uh, Live Series. Excellent. Um, and can you tell us also where we can find you on the World Wide Web? I have a website. Um, uh, just if you enter my name, uh, Alexander Popov, you will see my website and uh, the story about my books and uh, um, all kinds of information that can be useful. 
Excellent. Well, we will certainly link that in the show notes. And I hope when your new project comes to fruition, we can invite you back to talk about it. This has been a fascinating discussion. And thank you for taking so much time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me.